Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. We are in a series called Summer in the Psalms, where we basically just unpack one psalm a week. We dissect it, we look at it, and glean as much as we can out of it. Um, I love the psalms. I believe that they play a really important place in the Christian life. And actually, for me personally, the psalms have a really sweet place in my heart. I don't know if you remember the first time that you read your Bible and it became living and active to you. you. You had that moment where you realized, no, no, this is not just a book. God just spoke to me through this word. I remember when that happened to me for the first time, though. I was 14 or 15. I had been reading my Bible for a little bit, trying to get in that habit. And I remember coming to Psalm 73 and just All of a sudden, this moment happened where I realized God just spoke to me. If you haven't ever had that moment before, I just want to encourage you, spend some time in the Psalms this summer. Caden encouraged us at the very beginning of this series to spend maybe 10 minutes a day in the series. And I just, I know that God has something for you this summer in the Psalms. And so if you will, even if it's not a full 10 minutes, even if it's not every day, spend some time in the Psalms because I believe that God wants to speak to us. Amen. We've been saying that the Psalms give us a place to take our emotions. Last week, we talked about Psalm uh, 51, and Austin talked about that feeling of guilt, that emotion of guilt, and we looked at what true repentance looks like. Today, we're going to look at Psalms 56, and so if you'll turn there now, we're going to open it up and read the whole thing. We're reading in the ESV version. It says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. I love the New King James Version. It says, For my enemies are trying to swallow me up. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crime will they escape. In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. This is an amazing psalm with lots of verses that you may have heard before. And so as you may have guessed from reading that, today we're talking about the emotion of fear and what true faith looks like. We all know there's a lot of fear in our world, right? 
I think COVID kind of highlighted that. It kind of brought it to the surface. We just saw fear running rampant. But even before, even COVID aside, do you know that there's over 500 different types of phobias? Um, Some are really common, like flying or going to the dentist. As a dental hygienist, I know that one well. Um, I have have some stories for sure. Um, There's not a lot of things in my life that make me feel powerful, (laughs) but there is nothing like having this big burly man with tattoos all over him and he's just shaking like a leaf in the dental chair while I've just got my little scaler or my, you know, needle to get him numb and he's just like begging for mercy from me. It's such a, it's a different kind of moment for me. There's other phobias that are a little more unique that I learned about this week. There's ombrophobia, which is the fear of rain. There's aerophobia, which is the fear of fresh air. I do not understand. Um, and there's even one called aphibophobia, which is the fear of adolescents or teenagers. We have been talking about desperation a lot this week. And that one I understand a little bit more after this week. (laughs) About an hour into our uh, two-hour drive on that 50-passenger bus, um, I heard a middle school boy from the back say, well, I haven't showered in like two weeks. And I was like, Taylor, I'm out. Sorry. Like, get me off of this bus. (laughs) But In all seriousness, fear is real. And we all know that moment. We all can identify with that moment of just being overcome with fear. There's that physical response that often comes with fear. And David is feeling that in this moment. He is being, he's talking about these enemies that are coming against him. And while we will look at what he's going through and um, we can dissect all the, the dangerous situation that he was in, I think the most beneficial thing that we're going to talk about this morning is the faith that he had in the middle of that situation. Because just as repentance is the remedy to guilt and trust in God is the remedy to our skepticism, faith is the remedy to our fear. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? God, we need you here this morning. We know that faith is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so would your spirit just come and fill up each one of us? Would you grow our faith this morning as we open up your word? Lord, would you give us the ability to look beyond what circumstances say is possible? And would you help us to peer into the heaven realities, heavenly realities that um, can be brought to earth? Come Holy Spirit, we need you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at a little context for this psalm because we actually have some context. Not all the psalms are we able to really know what was going on in David's life when he wrote it. But this one, you may have noticed there's this header at the beginning. It says, To the choir master, according to the dove on far off terebinths, a mictum or a poem or a song of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. So we can actually find this situation in 1 Samuel 
chapter 21. We know what's going on in David's life. And I encourage you to look at it this week. It's kind of a funny story. Uh, David pretends to be psycho for like a second. And it totally belongs in Austin's book, The Bible's Not Boring, You're Boring. Um, But we're not going to look at it this morning. I'm just going to give you some kind of overarching uh, context. Saul is the king of Israel. And David has been anointed as the future king of Israel. And so Saul's insecure. He's kind of sensing that threat to his throne and he's trying to eliminate the competition. And so he is trying to kill David. And so David is on the run. He is fleeing for his life and he finds himself running to a city called Gath. Gath is one of five royal cities of the Philistines. And if you remember, David has some history with the Philistines, right? Actually, he has history with one really big Philistine, Goliath. Goliath came from Gath. And so it's not hard for us to imagine why the Philistines don't really like David. And so they also are trying to kill him. And he's in this moment where he's realizing he has people from his own country. He has people from other countries coming, trying to kill him. And I just imagine he's sleeping with one eye open in some dungeon somewhere. And he finds a moment to write down this prayer. David was an imperfect man. We learned that last week. But I have to believe that God is so pleased with David and his faith in this moment. David actually gets an honorable mention in Hebrews chapter 11's hall of faith, right? The hall of faith are these Old Testament stories that are in the New Testament, that are mentioned in the New Testament, about these people, Abel and uh, Noah and Moses and Abraham and Sarah, and they're commended for their faith. And it shows us that even in the Old Testament, it was faith that pleased God. And David is mentioned in verse 32. We're going to look at that. For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Maybe this is that moment in David's life right there. Were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put armies to flight. I love that these verses are in the Bible because it shows that um, God didn't change his priorities at the New Testament. He's always been pleased by faith. He's always been looking for believers with faith. And so we, David in this Psalm, he's afraid and he is choosing to put his faith in God. And he turns to God in this moment and says, I don't know how you're going to get me out, but I believe that you will. We talk a lot about faith in church, right? I think we all know that the foundation of Christianity is putting our faith in Jesus, that he is who he says he was, that he took the payment for our sins, and that someday we are going to stand before him and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into this, the joy of your master. But I want to challenge us today that faith is not just one moment in salvation. It's not just believing that Jesus will pardon me from hell someday. Living by faith, walking by faith, as Paul puts it, is also having faith that God is present in your life today. 
that he wants to be involved in the details of your life today and that he can work all things together for your good today. I believe we need that kind of faith. We have so many different circumstances going on in our world. We may not have enemies, right, trying to kill us. I hope that you don't. But just like it said in the New King James Version of my enemy is trying to swallow me up, we know that the Bible says we have an enemy and he's seeking for someone to devour. That language is really similar. And so when we're being attacked on every side, where do we turn? When we have problems in this life, when there is sickness, when there is death, when Satan is coming against us, what do we do? We're going to look at four ways that David chose faith over his fear from this text. Let's start in verses three and four. It says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? The first thing we see here is that faith praises God's word. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. If we want to be faith, have, be people of faith in even the darkest moments of our life, we have to be people that praise God's word. God's word is truth. It's a light to our feet, a, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It is the key to life, and it is the source of our faith. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is where faith begins. We read God's word, we hear it, and then we rehearse it, and we meditate on it. I love how in these two verses, David says, when I am afraid and I shall not be afraid, almost in the same breath. And what's in between those two? He's, he's talking about God's word. I praise your word, God. It's in you that I trust. This is where we need to fight the battlefield of our mind. Our thoughts direct so much of our life for good or for bad. Amen? After a couple of years now of really meeting with people from the church and talking about marriage problems and self-identity problems, it's amazing how you start to see these patterns. And you realize everyone kind of has this spiral staircase of our thoughts. And so I've started using that analogy. And so if you would for a second just imagine a spiral staircase in front of you, and it's giant. It goes way higher than you can imagine and way lower than you can see. And you're kind of standing off to the side of it. And then something externally happens, and you jump on that staircase. And what you're thinking about decides whether you go up or whether you go down. And so maybe there's this moment of fear. Maybe you're kind of a worst case scenario kind of person and you're Googling your symptoms late at night. And by 3 a.m., you're like wondering who your husband's going to remarry because you're convinced that you're going to die of whatever it is. <laughs> and so we, we jump on this spiral staircase and it takes us down into fear and anger and bitterness, and strife, and chaos. As we, as we ruminate and think about those, that's what happens. 
And honestly, the further down we go, the harder it is to turn around and start making our way back up. But how do we make our way back up, right? God's, God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That's what the Bible says. And so if we want to make our way back up, we start thinking about God's thoughts. We think about his truth. We think about his promises. And we rehearse those to ourselves as we make our way up towards peace and towards faith and towards a sound mind, towards good decision-making. And so maybe you find yourself fearful or anxious about, um, am I going to marry the right person? Am I going to... Um, like uh, pick the right career. You're worried about your future. And rather than going down that spiral, you decide, nope, Psalm 32 verse eight says, I, God promises, I will instruct you. I will teach you in the way you should go. And I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Or maybe you fear not being good enough. You have this fear of failure. I think that's more of us than we care to admit. And so rather than going down this, I'm never going to be good enough. What if this doesn't turn out perfectly? What if I fail? We stop and we remind ourselves of 2 Corinthians 12, 9 that says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Or maybe at some point you do find yourself worrying about your life. You worry about cancer. You worry about violence. And you stop that thought and you take it captive and you say, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. This is kind of a side note about Psalm 23. I, Austin preached on it a few weeks ago. Taylor preached on it in youth group. And I have to say this, I really believe that there is something on Psalm 23 that is really helpful for bad dreams and for middle of the night tossing and turning. And so if you are someone who just has a hard time sleeping, or maybe you have kids with night terrors and bad dreams, rehearse Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When Taylor was preaching about this um, in youth group, he told the story of waking up and he rehearsed that to himself and just that peace that washes over you as you say those words and he fell back asleep. And then we were in small group just a little bit later and Crystal, another leader at youth group said, I, that's funny, I've, I've done the same thing. And all the while I'm listening to them knowing that that is what I do. And I've had so many moments of laying there going, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I fall back asleep. And so I just, that's, it's, that one's for free today. Um, but David was so good at rehearsing those truths, even in Psalm 23 and Psalm 56. And if we want to have faith like David, we have to praise God's word and repeat it to ourselves. The next thing we see about faith is that it looks to the eternal. We see in verse four, David asks, what can flesh do to me? It's funny, I think, I think David knows maybe better than anyone the harm that flesh can do, that man can do, right? Leaders can reject you. Family can say things that hurt you. They can forget about you. People can lie to you. And he has to be very aware in this moment that man can kill you. 
And so it's not that he doesn't know that people can harm you. It's that he knows the harm that man can do is only temporary. He knows that the pain of this life will only last so long before I am standing before God in all of his glory for eternity. And the problems that I'm facing right now are going to fade into the background. Like a mom who has labored for hours, welcoming her baby and forgetting the pain of before. So it will be when we enter into that eternal bliss. Faith looks to the, that eternal reality. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Part of walking by faith is constantly putting on our minds that this life is not all that there is. This life is temporary. This uh, fractured relationship is temporary. This heartache is temporary. This sickness in my body is temporary. If we focus on the eternal, the problems of this life really do get smaller. Sometimes I think about the problems that I had in high school. I'm sorry. Sometimes I think about the problems I thought I had in high school. Anybody else? I remember this moment being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that she told her date that he could wear a pink tie when I said that my date was going to wear a pink tie. Homecoming is ruined. My life is ruined. And I just have to believe that my parents were like, oh, oh, honey, this is not a big deal. Like, this is not going to matter in six months. And so it does not deserve this reaction, right? I had spiraled. Don't we just wish, though, that we could, we could tell our kids and teenagers, this is not going to matter in so long. But it's because we have that bigger perspective that we can say that, Right? And how long, how often do we do that with God? That we worry and we stew and he says, just give it to me. I've got it, in, I've got it under control. You don't need to worry about it. Having faith in God means we're letting go of some of the things that we think are important right now and may just trust in God put our weight down on what he says is important and that which is eternal. Let's go to verse eight. It says, you've kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me. David believed that God cared about him. And so that's, our, that's number three for our point today. Faith believes God cares about us. It was an old custom to catch your tears that you were crying, mourning for someone, and then bury them with that person. Some of you know that there would be so many bottles next to my loved one if we still did that. But this is, it's this picture of God just caring for us in our deepest, darkest moments. I think in order to catch someone tear, someone's tears, you'd have to be close. I just imagine God rubbing your back as you just sob. And it's this picture of God being close to us, even in our deepest, darkest pains. 
Sometimes I think it's easier to believe that God is God and he's far off and he doesn't concern him concern himself with the things of us, right? The ins and outs of our life. It, it takes a lot of faith to believe that he sees when I'm up at night thinking about that situation. He sees my heart's desires. He sees my biggest pains in life. He sees every tear that I cry. David is kind of grappling with this when he writes Psalm 8. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Are you really paying attention to me? Who am I that you would do that? Do you really care for me so deeply and specifically? Jesus assures us that that is true in Matthew 10. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Please hear me. You are valuable to God. He cares for you. He cares what's going on in your life. And he wants to be present with you in those moments. Psalm 34 says he's near to the brokenhearted. And so if you've been wondering if God cares, please know, please let this verse be assurance to you that he does, he does care. Verse nine says, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call this, I know that God is for me. David knows that when he calls on God, that moves God to action. He is for me. He's on my side. He is going to be faithful to finish the work that he began. Walking by faith means believing God cares about you. Can we just, can we take a second and just pause here for a moment to, to reflect on that? Maybe imagine your deepest, darkest moment in your life. And imagine God next to you, being with you in that, planning to work it for good, but comforting you along the way. Isn't that amazing? Moving to verses 12 and 13. I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you, for you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. David shows the highest form of faith right here. And that is a faith that thanks him in advance. David doesn't have to be delivered by his enemies in order for him to thank God for doing it. He believes enough that God will come through, that he thanks him for coming through. This feels similar to what Jesus says in Mark 11. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Notice the tense change there. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You mean I've got to believe that I've got it in order to get it? Yes. You mean I have to believe it is so in order for it to become so, even though it isn't so? Yes. 
Rick Warren says, gratitude is thanking God for something you've received, but faith is thanking God for something before you've received it. If your employer gives you a card at your Christmas party that says, congratulations, you get $200 bonus for the end of the year, like Merry Christmas. You don't wait till that hits your bank account to really like believe that it's going to happen. You say, no, thank you so much for the bonus. And you believe like, yeah, that's going to happen. That's the faith that God is looking for in his people. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? When he has made a promise, we can take his word on that. We can count on it. I get that these verses have probably been abused, right? We think about kind of the name it, claim it culture where it's like, if you want a watch or if you want a 2023 car, like, yes, you just ask God for it. He wants to bless you. Believe it. Thank him for it. It'll be in your, you know, driveway in no time. But I, I know, I know this people and I know our church and I know that in modern America, of logic and reasoning and science, probably the biggest hurdle that we have to our faith is just not being able to see how it's going to happen. We, we're kind of a culture, we have to believe it in order to see it. But faith in its nature is believing in something we cannot see. And so I think we err more on the side of not having enough faith to actually ask for it or to actually believe that he's going to come through. David didn't know how his story was going to end. He, he knew that he would be king someday, but he didn't know the, the path that he was going to take in order to get there. The end of this story in David's life, basically he flees to a cave. God sends some people to him. He becomes their commander and eventually he does become king. And we don't know how our stories are going to get to the end. We know some of the promises that God has given us, but we don't know what is going to happen to get there. But if we want faith like David in the middle of it, we thank him in advance for what he is going to do. We believe that he cares for us and for our circumstances. We set our minds on the eternal and we praise God's word all the way. We need this kind of faith because I believe that maybe there's a Noah in this room and God is gonna ask you to build something and it's gonna look ridiculous and you might be rejected by the people around you, but will you have the faith to start building? I believe that there's an Abraham in the room and he's calling you to go somewhere, but he's not gonna show you. He wants you to keep walking, to start walking. I believe that there's a Sarah that by faith will receive power for the impossible no matter how hilarious it might seem. I believe that there's a David in the room that God, you, you know that God has called you to be something great, but the enemy is trying to keep you from that destiny. Will you have the faith in God to see that through? 
I want this church to be a church of faith that pleases God, but also that can see those things through as he's called us to. It's, faith is not just for people in the Bible. It's for us today as well. Amen. We're going to move into a time of response. We just, we have a couple of questions up here to get you started, but we just want to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Whatever is going on in your life, he knows what he wants to say. And so would you just take a couple of minutes and uh, let him speak and look at those questions? We want you to know that if you need prayer for anything, we are happy and, and wanting to pray for you. Uh, whether it's about this this morning or something totally different, um, please know that that resource is there for you. Um, but let's pray and then we'll dismiss. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thanks for your faithfulness to be here, to be speaking to us, to meet with us. Lord, we long to be a church that you are pleased with our faith. Would you continue to grow that in us? Would you just continue to remind us, Lord, of the situations that you have under control, that we can continue to give to you and surrender to you, trusting that you have a good plan for us. We love you so much. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.